In this final part of our three episode series, we will explore the pivotal role played by the Republic of Vanuatu in leading a coalition of countries in pursuit of an advisory opinion on climate change from the International Court of Justice. To shed light on this crucial campaign, we are joined by two esteemed guests who have been instrumental in its success. First, we have Mr. Malcolm DeLessa, a leading climate expert from Vanuatu and a member of the Vanuatu Climate Diplomatic Test Task Force. Mr. DeLessa is currently in New York, working closely with the team and serves as the climate advisor to the Vanuatu ambassador, His Excellency, Mr. Ordo Tevi. We will also be speaking to His Excellency, Mr. Odo Tevi, who serves as the Climate Special Envoy and is, the lead, is leading the team responsible for driving his campaign, this campaign. We will provide, he will provide valuable, valuable insights into the team's strategy and how they have been working to shape this crucial initiative. Together, our guests will provide us with a comprehensive understanding of the efforts being made to secure an advisory opinion on climate change from the ICJ and shed light on the important roles they have played in bringing us to this point. Now, why Vanuatu? According to the 2021 UN University World Risk Index, the Republic of Vanuatu, which is an island archipelago in the South Pacific, has the highest disaster risk globally and has consistently maintained this position according to the Institute of for environment and human security. If immediate and extensive action is not taken, low-lying atoll states like Vanuatu are expected to become uninhabitable by mid-century, which will endanger their culture, statehood, and sovereignty. Climate change is already having severe impacts on all sectors, particularly agriculture, water, coastal and marine resources, infrastructure, and tourism. Therefore, Vanuatu faces the highest risk, disaster risk globally due to climate change. Again, if nothing is done, it could become inhabitable by mid-century, endangering, endangering its culture, statehood, and sovereignty. Climate change is already causing severe damage to various sectors. Recent weather events have destroyed homes and villages and wiped out a third of Vanuatu's GDP in a single day. Vanuatu is leading the climate justice movement and wants to amplify the voices of vulnerable populations, including indigenous peoples, women, children, and the poor, though through its ICJ initiative. Vanuatu aims to work with all vulnerable nations, peoples, and supporters to achieve an advisory opinion from the ICJ. Hello, this is Coming to the Mat, podcast from the Melanesian Women Today Impact Service Series. Told through the lens of everyday, ordinary Pacific Island women, the Mat series seeks to break cultural barriers and invite listeners to hear real human stories of making a difference. The stories you will hear from the series 
balance diverse interests and weave together the story of courageous women who dedicate their lives to making a difference in their communities and country. Coming to the Mat series is a safe space that allows for women in the Pacific to use their voices. It also explores the integral aspects of women's lives all across the South Pacific and gives the listener a window into the many different issues women face through storytelling. Welcome to Come to the Mat with me, your host, Dr. Mary Tarisovic. So I am here today with Mr. Malcolm DeLessa, and uh, we will be talking about his role, especially um, with the government of Vanuatu, as uh, the government has been putting together a team, um, a team that will be helping with the uh, our ambassador, uh, Otto Tebi, His Excellency, Otto Tebi, to the United Nations. So Malcolm Delessa is an experienced environment manager, environmental manager and sustainability consultant. So he's a consultant that has over a decade, uh, 10 years of experience leading national development activities, such as particularly in assessing uh, and proposing, as well as implementing environmental management, as well as climate change policies. He's also been uh, involved in integrations of environment, disaster risk reduction and climate change considerations especially in planting, planning investments and in project design, mainly in Vanuatu and so as the Pacific, as well as in the Pacific. He's also uh, has supported uh, qualitative and research, uh, quantitative research, particularly in his area of climate change and environmental management, uh, disaster risk reduction, which is abbreviated for DRR, and also advocating for implementation of a risk governance-based approach to risk-involved development planning, uh, particularly on budget analysis uh, when it comes to the livelihood for people, so activities as mul on multiple governance, governance levels, from such as the community, the uh, village and professional to the national spheres. Um, so Malcolm has served as a technical advisor, uh, consultant rather, in consulting in an effort of Vanuatu government to develop a national disaster recovery framework. And that's obviously very important. And right now he's currently engaged in supporting Vanuatu's uh, government campaign efforts to seek an advisory opinion from the International Court of Justice, which is also known as ICJ, which, which will you will hear a lot about uh, today as we talk about his role in this, uh, in respect to climate change and human rights. So welcome, Mr. DeLazer. I'm glad that you can join me on Coming to the Mat and podcast to discuss your role as one of the members of ICJ um, team, International Court of Justice, which what I just said before, and implementation, implementation implementation team uh, that's been put together by the Vanuatu government. So welcome to coming to the mat, Mr. DeLessa. Thank you, uh, Dr. Mayor. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be, uh, to have this opportunity to uh, participate in your podcast. Uh, Thank you very much. Thank you. So can you tell us a little bit, and I have introduced you, but can you tell us a little bit more about your role um, just as a consultant, especially in the uh, area that you're uh, um, an expert in. 
Thank you. So, so uh, in, in a nutshell, my my role is uh, uh, titled the the climate attaché to the um, New York uh, mission. Uh, basically, it's it's uh, more to support the mission on on climate change and uh, disaster risk reduction uh, technical issues, uh, and uh, as well as uh, support uh, in in the whole. Uh, uh, advocacy, the negotiation processes uh, that's uh, currently taking place. So, uh, yeah, support to the New York ambassador as well as uh, other mission ambassadors uh, around uh, the globe and, uh, and, and particularly uh, with our national uh, agencies as well in, in Vanuatu. But uh, the core role would be. Uh, to, to support the uh, UN mission, especially the, the ambassador in, in New York. Mm, okay. So as a technical advisor or advice expertise of the ambassador, um, what are some area of capacity that you, you would be focusing on specifically? Yeah, I, I think uh, more, more, more specifically, it's uh, helpful to uh, particularly unpack uh, sort of the more climate change uh, priorities, be it in adaptation or loss and damage, uh, climate finance, um, certain priorities that by which uh, the one water government, especially in terms of its priority uh, within those particular areas is concerned, but uh, as well as across the board uh, where the Pacific region stands and, uh, and uh, as well as all the broader global uh, climate science or climate negotiation uh, discussions are, are going on uh, mm. in, that, uh, in that space. Mm. So this work obviously means to call on the United Nations Assembly first and then to request an advisory opinion from the International Court of Justice. Um, mm. So uh, the purpose of this is also for the Vanuatu government uh, and um, to to learn churches to issue a legal opinion on the rights of the present and the future generation to inhabit a world that is not ravaged by climate change. Can you can you oh. can you elaborate on that? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, um, uh, the one thing we've been seeing uh, in the long all these years, uh, thirty years plus of. Uh, Climate negotiations, especially with the UN Framework uh, Convention against um, for, for climate change, um, there's all those those uh, issues, uh, provisions that have been set to how we can address uh, climate change, especially you know the overall aim to stabilize greenhouse gas emissions into the atmosphere. But you know, having said that, we will have to deal with the actual impacts and. Uh, countries like, like Vanuatu and all the other small island developing states and other uh, vulnerable countries uh, <coughs> are seeing, uh, you know, uh, they're seeing that more and more the impacts uh, are worsening. Um, and whilst uh, we have ambitions, uh, especially under the current Paris Agreement for, for ambitions by which countries can can uh, reduce uh, their emissions or pledges to reduce their emissions. Uh, we're seeing that 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 won't be still enough. Uh, 
uh, given all of the current uh, the the current analysis with the national determined contributions for countries will be such that the uh, temperature limit uh, you know will, will certainly surpass the 1.5 degrees limit that uh, small island developing states and vulnerable countries uh, require in order to to survive and you know that undermines and puts uh, to threat uh, our very existence. So um, this is the whole, I guess, the, the, the whole impetus to, to ensure we ramp up action uh, and, and pursue uh, the legal route so that uh, we address those particular critical matters uh, with urgency. Given uh, if you, you know, if you look at the current Paris Agreement, uh, whereby uh, climate finance, loss and damage uh, uh, are being captured within the Paris Agreement. It's very much a, a preambular um, status. It's not not very much drilled down to the specifics. So uh, it's very ambiguous in its language. Mm -hmm. So this is why Vanuatu is sort of calling on the global community, especially in, in looking to seek an advisory opinion from the ICJ, so we have more clarity and unpack all those issues, and particularly point to where the obligations for states are with respects to uh, those uh, particular provisions within the Paris Agreement, and you know, address uh, and safeguard uh, present and future generations from uh, you know climatic impacts, which we see as you know, posing an existential threat uh, mm. to to uh, all, all, all vulnerable uh, countries and, and uh, societies, communities uh, yeah. across the across the globe. Yeah. So when you when you talk about you know finding that clarity, um, I guess one of the big uh, the bulk of this work is particularly with the legal side, uh, and obviously you're also part of uh, the team, uh, not on specifically legally, but in the climate uh, advisory part. Um, would that, would your role also help whatever the um, advice or expertise that you have in, in informing the, not just the ambassador, would that also involve in shaping the questions? Would your, would your some of, of, of the information that you would, you know, bring to the table, well, would that <clears throat> be taken into consideration when there, the questions are being, whether it's a couple of questions or one question, you know, um, how would your role play in that to shape these questions? Yeah, sure. Um, definitely, I, 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 that will be uh, one one of the, the role is uh, having uh, input into the into the questions. Um, mm -hmm. As you know, given now that uh, we we're looking to to have this resolution uh, passed through the general assembly, then after that. You will look to uh, having those uh, specific questions, questions that will be drafted, uh, particularly those that are in, in, in support of this resolution. So that will mean having to, um, as well as with, with the with the support, with the help of the ambassadors, sort of reaching out to those countries, you know, like-minded uh, countries who are. Uh, in, in, in favor of this particular uh, resolution for an advisory opinion by which uh, the, the consultation to 
uh, have inputs and shape the, the question. So, so definitely we'll be looking at um, how that those questions will will shape and inform, uh, as well as address critical uh, provisions or matters within within the, within the climate change. Uh, negotiations or all broadly uh, where environmental law, international law is, is, is concerned as mm -hmm. far as uh, climate change and its um, impacts on, on human rights are concerned. Mm -hmm. But yes, uh, definitely I will, I will uh, yeah. have some role in, uh, uh, in, in the inputs into uh, those particular questions as well. Mm. Can you can you give us an example, for instance, um, the loss and damage that's now been, you know, one of the, <clears throat> I guess, the topical <clears throat> that that has been put into a lot of the climate um, understanding more about climate justice. Can you give yes. an example from your work and how the uh, your expertise and information that you could kind of not redefine but taken from that. Uh, from our experience on local, locally, since mm -hmm. that's where you, you 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 have a lot of your work in that, uh, what are some of the specifically elements of that that do you think would would beef up or would kind of be taken into as part of that question? Some of the questions that might, um, yeah, you know, be formalized to be sure. used. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think for for loss and damage, it's been very much um, sensitive, uh, particularly in the current climate um, uh, of of the actual negotiation processes. Uh, especially if you if you looking at uh, using terms as compensation uh, or reparations, um, mm. but I think. For for our particular uh, particular standpoint is that uh, you know you will you will have impacts uh, climatic impacts that uh, more and more uh, whilst you have you 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 have your your physical uh, damages but then there's there's the broader aspects in, in in the losses you know not just the not just the economic losses if you if you, if you seeing it from the point of foregone mm -hmm. uh you know economic uh returns on, on say a certain business or you know from a farmer's perspective mm -hmm. yeah. but uh you're looking at the traditional and cultural non-economic uh losses you know mm -hmm. the um i guess the the, the right you know to the livelihood to culture, I guess, yeah um yes mm -hmm. uh, so so a, a lot of those uh uh matters uh you know you won't be able to put some sort of uh, i guess a, a rigid or stringent monetary value to that mm -hmm. but uh, mm -hmm. it's it's a matter of how can the particular uh negotiation processes or the international frameworks uh will be able to lay the platform by which uh, countries will have Especially like Vanuatu will be able to uh, have the the necessary resources to uh, you know preserve its its, its cultural heritage. Uh, look at innovative ways by which uh, it it can um, uh, preserve, safeguard uh, those critical uh, elements or um, 
the our, our characteristics by which you you won't be able to put a mm. some sort of a, a monetary um, value mm. to that, but it speaks to your your you know your existential um, well being. Uh, well being, mm. yes, mm -hmm. yes uh, mm -hmm. def definitely. So so those those aspects uh, by which we we would like to uh, from from this whole ICJ advisory opinion route. Uh, you know, seek that clarity, but then how that would translate to to help states. You know, if they're looking at operationalizing or implementing uh, enhanced actions to their own national determined uh, contributions. How they can also look to address those uh, those matters. Uh, for example, you know, I've, I've referred to uh, uh, your your traditional identity. Um, uh, your 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 cultural assets, mm -hmm. those intangible uh, uh, assets by which you know are, are very much critical in terms of how you know you uh, points to your identity as 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 a as a person, as a community, mm -hmm. as a state. Mm -hmm. So, which is why it was often referred to uh, climate justice uh, and, yes. and and the human rights as as, as what. Um, which is why we're seeking the opinion of uh, advisory opinion. Um, so how would you see your role in supporting the ambassador to beef up the, mo the momentum in inviting nations, uh, large and small, to uh, confirm you know, to us, but that's the intention to support the initiative. H how, how do you see your role in that? Yeah, I, I think uh, my role, uh... As as uh, as mentioned, will be uh, particularly to, to 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 support the ambassador where uh, there's been certain lines of work, priorities, or discussions that have been undertaken at the national level, mm -hmm. and being able to bring that to the table, you know, uh, mm -hmm. where. where uh, where he's been having negotiations uh, thus far, especially with the legal team. But and mm. then after that, you know, going through the to the ICJ is one thing in terms of the advisory opinion. But the mm. next step would be ramping up the the implementation of mm. uh, you know states' obligations and seeing where best Vanuatu at that particular space of negotiations uh, shaping. Um, the the uh, frameworks so of the mm. uh, conventions uh, but you know uh, i guess contributing in, in terms of how one can can really support or, or contribute to implementing uh it's it's own not only its own national term of contribution actions but uh, as well as support to uh, other regions especially our pacific uh, uh, island uh, uh, brothers and sisters, uh, mm. in terms of uh, how we can address uh, issues as far as, uh, say, loss and damage or climate finance or mitigation is, is concerned. So uh, it's uh, the, 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 the overall broad scope of this whole uh, climate diplomacy initiative by which government has undertaken, uh, given you have the specific objective of having an advisory opinion, but mm. it's also helping to build capacity for one water in this climate diplomacy spaces. So uh, whilst being able to to support 
our ambassador, especially to engage more in the, in the climate negotiations uh, spaces. Uh, it's also to uh, build and bridge those connections between what we're currently doing at the national level, okay. uh, how that can feed into the international uh, climate negotiation uh, processes mm. and, and mm. dialogues, and then that sort of feeding that back to um, our, our national level uh, agencies and the communities, but as well as, you know, uh, building that, um, that capacity within the, the national level, we can also help to, I, I guess, reach out to, uh, you know, our, our other Pacific Island neighbors uh, mm -hmm. in terms of how Vanuatu can, can, can support uh, countries as well as the, the lessons learned, the, the, knowledge, the sharing mm -hmm. of uh, knowledge, uh, cross fertilization of right. uh, experiences, uh, right. which uh, would, would be very much uh, critical given that yeah. climate change requires an all hands approach. Yeah, exactly. How does how do you see science? Uh, you know, how do you where does science come? I mean, obviously, uh, many mm. ways. But in in your in your role uh, and mm. your expertise, where does science comes in into this? When we when you're talking not just to the ambassador, but again, you said after that, after sure. the advisory opinion, where does that fall into all of this? Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I. I Thank you. That's a, that's a critical question because science underpins all, uh, you know, the policy and shapes uh, the political uh, landscape in terms mm. of how negotiations uh, can be done. Although, you know, a lot of, you know, given the current way things are going, you, you have, you know, sort of science on, you know, one, uh, one, one side of the, of, of, the field and uh, mm. the political mm. uh, dimensions can yeah. have its, its own life, but it's it's having to more and more present the, the evidence so that yeah. uh, you know you it will will shape uh, how you uh, how countries or you know states like Vanuatu will be able to uh, be able uh, be able to address uh, the impacts uh, by which it's facing in mm -hmm. different sectors, be it agriculture or health or infrastructure, and, and uh, as well as looking forward uh, in being able to you know come up with uh, sustainable or more resilient um, uh, development uh, outcomes. Mm -hmm. Since you know we, we would like to uh, reduce, uh, alleviate. Um, the devastating impacts on, on our very people, the very communities and the livelihoods uh, that people depend on. So science, definitely. Mm -hmm. uh, if you talk about uh, being able to come up with early warning mechanisms, uh, you know, you would know uh, with, with, you know, the more and more devastating impacts of, say, um, you know, cyclones or sea level rise or uh, flooding and droughts. Mm -hmm. uh, or ocean acidification uh, putting to risk our coastal uh, ecosystems by, by which we, we rely on. Mm -hmm. Science plays a, plays a key role and being able to harmonize the science side of things as well as our traditional, uh, traditional uh, uh, assets by which we make sense of the, the scientific indicators uh, that those are uh, critical uh, paths by which we, we need to chart and 
-hmm. science presents that um, you know very uh, uh, robust evidence uh, of, of uh, decision making by, by which uh, we will need to uh, chart and shape uh, you know policies that will you know, will, will, will help yeah. uh, how our communities are able to uh, um, I guess just just survive in terms yeah. of uh, uh, what we're currently facing in, in terms of climatic impacts. Mm. So do you see science as a tool uh, because obviously, uh, when we speak of climate change, it's no longer like just talking about it, it's about how to mm. how to you know live and 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 live within sure. that um, space now. Um, do you see it more as a tool to help us understand, not just understand, but also helping us to set, like you said, policies, helping us to manage um, our resources mm -hmm. more wisely? Um, and how is Vanuatu government has really embraced science that has always has always from the start through this, which is obviously why it has taken up um, the lead on 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 this uh, ICJ um, initiative. So has has science always been that for Vanuatu mm. and for uh, for the climate in terms of uh, things that is helping Vanuatu sure. and and to move forward and, and and the people to understand what's going on. Yes, yes, uh, most definitely. I, I think um, science is very much shaped. Uh, to government uh, mm -hmm. has, uh, I guess, has, has progressed and, and enhanced its uh, different sectors. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you just have to look at the, the, the meteorological department, um, you know, a few years back, it was just a, a tiny unit on its own, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, mm -hmm. under the infrastructure ministry. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, you know, given, uh, the you know the, the focus the realization that you know you would need all those uh, uh, science um, driven approaches as well to gather uh, information mm -hmm. and uh, being able mm -hmm. to uh, contribute to um, say uh, the aviation industry mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. tourism uh, the, the maritime industry so uh, over time, Manoto government has built mm. uh, that particular unit to, mm. to where it's, it's at now as a, as a you know, a fully fledged Ministry of Climate Change, which has uh, disaster management and environment and energy mm. uh, climate change departments within mm. uh, that particular ministries and now our, our early warning systems, which, you know, very much uh, I needed the infrastructure required for uh, to gather the, the climate uh, data mm. uh, so that you can use to inform different development planning mm. or um, uh, sector processes. Uh, you mm. know, it's, it's now one where currently we have government implementing uh, this uh, Green Climate Fund project. It's mm. all to do with climate information systems, mm -hmm. uh, which is, you know, uh, I think you're looking to sort of a, a billion dollars uh, budget by which uh, it's it all it all revolves around the science mm -hmm. uh, side of, uh, of things by which uh, 
uh, one or two government is, is now uh, rolling out, implementing mm -hmm. with sectors like infrastructure, tourism, right, uh, right. fisheries, agriculture, right. and, and, and those are very much uh, driven. The, the initiatives, the activities by this mm. project is very much uh, shaped by climate mm. uh, science <clears throat> and the, the information and data that is required yeah, to yeah, ensure but... it's embedded. In, yeah, right. in, in those sector-specific uh, uh, plans and, and processes. Mm. So it almost, uh, well, it sounds more like it's a climate science, um, <clears throat> then you have climate changes mm. as, as, as part of the, the branch of it, because um, even oh. the infrastructure, like you talk about even building codings and, and everything else, um, yes. a place like Vanuatu, um, it cannot afford to just ignore <laughs> science yes, in yes. itself it's yeah, part of survival yeah it's yes. it's part of our survival so i can see why this is very important so um before we go uh, any further i i think um it would probably be um i've asked the question about giving a little bit of a background context as to why vanuatu has decided to take on this role to seek an mm -hmm. advisory opinion from from the icj um you know obviously uh, a country doesn't just jump into something without having some sort of history or passion yep. or there's a, a reason why they're so mm -hmm. um, adamant in doing this. Mm -hmm. Sure. Sure. Yeah, I think um, the, the whole the whole initiative stemmed from, uh, uh, you know, a very committed and dedicated group of uh, Pacific Island students mm -hmm. um, in studying law within the MLS campus. So I think I would say credit, you know, uh, mm. is very much uh, due to those particular passionate uh, group of students and they're very much uh, vocal and dedicated, passionate uh, in, in pursuing that. And uh, I think at the time, uh, I think it was 2018, they were mm -hmm. looking to seek support from, you know, various governments around the region to, you know, take this course further. And, uh, you know, they, they approached the Vanuatu government and uh, at the time, uh, I think it was uh, uh, MB Ralph Reckenbano, who was mm -hmm. the, uh, the Minister of Foreign Affairs at the time, you know, it's, uh, 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 he, he, he was uh, sympathetic to uh, to to their cause, uh, and and you know uh, decided on one or two government uh, supporting uh, that particular initiative to to take that further uh, up uh, the um, various channels uh, of governance and diplomacy. Uh, so it. Um, went to um, uh, the Pacific Island Forum Leaders Meeting at the time in Tuvalu. Uh, and it, uh, it was, at that time, uh, it was sort of more, uh, the, the leaders at that time uh, sort of more sort of noted that particular initiative, but I think in terms of a more assertive language, uh, we didn't get to that stage. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, you know, more recently with uh, the current uh, government of uh, Prime Minister Bob Logman, 
uh, you know, that was then uh, sort of brought uh, to the back to the, the table, the drawing board. Uh, we were fortunate that the government was also uh, supportive to to uh, raise that, to, to bring that to the uh, General Assembly. And uh, even uh, last year, uh, 2021, uh, Prime Minister Bob Logman, uh, in his speech, in his address to the General Assembly, uh, uh, highlighted uh, one or two's intentions mm. to to uh, take that route in seeking an advisory opinion uh, from the International Court of Justice. So uh, I, I guess uh, you know it was from the humble beginnings of you know very passionate group of uh, Pacific Island uh, students studying law at the time, but I mm. think they they foresaw the need to really ramp up. Uh, action uh, as far as climate negotiations are concerned and you know especially if we're talking about issues very much uh, dear to the very survival of future generations, future generations. Uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, what 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 better way or who, who better to to do this than from a from a group of uh, very yeah. passionate and dedicated um, youth so this yeah. is sort of where it all it all stemmed from and uh, now one of the governments doing its best to also support uh, that, that cause. Yeah, but I also, <clears throat> I also think that the, the country itself has always created a, 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 an atmosphere of um, forward thinking, forward thinkers, sure. forward thinking uh, Vanuatu. And I think that it that created a perfect uh, atmosphere for the students as well. So it, for oh. them, it was something that was right there. And having uh, the possession leader uh, at the time was uh, the Minister of Climate Change, I think it was. Um, uh, foreign Affairs. Foreign Affairs, sorry. Yeah. Um, so that made it, um, you know, it, it made it, well, not, I wouldn't say very easy, but it, it just gave, gave the right uh, ingredients. <laughs> and also mm. boost. Raise, raise the bar. Yes, yes, yeah. absolutely for the students. Yeah. So um, I think that uh, in all sense, um, that support by the government has definitely uh, pushed this forward and, and also the, the Pacific Island uh, students fighting climate change uh, also mm -hmm. has to push their gender to make it more and so that motivate them to continue on as, as, as well sure. as you know them being part of the advocates, you know, campaigning groups uh, that are, are campaigning for this. Um, so uh, thank you for explaining that. So this would be the 77th uh, UN General Assembly session then, is that, is that mm -hmm. correct? Okay. Yes, that's right. Okay, so after the uh, ACG, before the you know advisory opinion, seeking their advisory opinion, the Vanuatu government led by, you know, the team led by the uh, UN, UN ambassador, um, our UN mm -hmm. ambassador, uh, Odo Tevi, um, who is, who is the envy, envy, envy for the, okay. So, and with the group helping him um, to, you know, take this to the floor, uh, it's, it's, it's going to be, uh, well, I think it's not just interesting to see how far, you know, the groups, uh, the government is going to go, but it also, I think, 
um, do you think that the country, the people in Vanuatu, do you think from your from where you you sit, uh, do you think they understand what this is about? Do you, do do they know what this is about and have an idea of uh, why we're doing this and 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 uh, what is this all about? Um, yeah, that's a that's a good question. I think um, at present uh, with with the current uh, <clears throat> engagements that's uh, being done by our civil society, mm. our uh, you know our youths, uh, I would say you would you would you would have uh, a good number of people uh, mm. that you know have some understanding okay. of why government uh, government is, is doing that. Um, you know, having said that, they still need to um, sort of increase the, the awareness and awareness mm -hmm. why 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 the approach mm -hmm. um and um, i think more and more i think as we as we get into you know the meat of the campaign and how mm -hmm. things unfold mm -hmm. uh that it's it'll be a matter of uh you know how the different uh, uh arms and circles of civil society not that, not, not only civil society but you know how government engages with yeah, uh, yeah, different uh, spheres of the community. Mm. It, it will help to, uh, mm. to uh, elevate the, the right. awareness and the knowledge. Yeah, uh, in terms of how that's uh, that's being done. So, yeah, um, I, I you know I, I would say um, I would say a good number, although okay. I, I might not be able to say at this point in time mm. a percentage. But this mm. is definitely something that uh, government will. Will uh, ramp up or mm -hmm. elevate in terms of the mm -hmm. communications, the advocacy, and, and I think I forgot to to mention that uh, uh, whilst uh, you know further to your previous question in terms of mm -hmm. how it all started, uh, what what one or two government has, has come up with is a climate diplomacy strategy. Oh, okay. um, so you know it it has the endorsement of. Of, of, of government, uh, mm -hmm. but it has the different elements by which, uh, you know, from the technical uh, sphere, mm -hmm. this is uh, where we um, uh, currently implementing or rolling mm -hmm. out okay. you know, the engagements with the legal team and, mm -hmm. uh, to, to shape uh, this particular legal question that is well yeah. as from uh, an, an advocacy uh, knowledge management side of thing, mm -hmm. this is where we it, it's uh, as part of the strategy is also to increase the the awareness mm. uh, of uh, you know not just government but uh, mm. people more broadly communities and the public at large mm. of uh, the, the the critical importance of uh, how one or two engages with, within the, the climate negotiations uh, mm. uh, space, but uh, mm. as well as you know, more specific to your query. Uh, as far as um, you know, the importance for why uh, we're taking that approach mm. for for climate justice. Um, so it, it sort of points back to the need to increase uh, the information awareness as well as uh, dialogue right. between uh, different spheres of, of government, um, yeah. uh, you know, the national and subnational as well as community. And I yeah. think. Our civil society has been very much been active yeah. in, uh, in, in, I guess, organizing and setting setting the, the yeah. 
the, the platform and the opportunities by which uh, the public at large can can engage and mm. uh, increase their <coughs> awareness as to uh, mm. what this whole campaign is, is all about uh, yeah. as far as climate change and human rights is concerned. Yeah, because I see, you know, it's obviously something that uh, needs to be done uh, and more. And, and, mm -hmm. and I think for me, from, from how I see it, um, as someone who not only advocate, but also trying to think from, from a grassroots level and, and asking those questions, mm -hmm. which is very important to ask questions, um, would this be a portfolio that belongs to the government or would it be a, a portfolio that belongs to the people? Because when we're talking mm -hmm. about human rights and when we're talking about climate justice, uh, from my point of view as a Vanuatu, although I don't live in Vanuatu, but I still, you know, very much evolve with a lot of the, the work that's on the ground. Yep. Um, I want to know how do, uh, for an or for for everyday uh, woman, particularly because we know climate change affects mm -hmm. uh, women and children. How does this speak to me? What does it say to me as a woman, as a mother, um, thinking about my kids, thinking about you know what what's the next food um, is going to be that we can harvest, especially those in the rural communities and the, the islands. Mm. Um, how would you think the government would make it so it's palatable for uh, for for everyday woman to understand, or a young woman, a mother, uh, to understand that this 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 uh, work has been done so that my children um, and their mm. children can can survive. Um, Sure. Can can we can we do it more so that it it involves it goes all the way to the, to, to your young child who can understand what an ICJ is, what you know the mm -hmm. path to you know the kind of questions that needs to be tabled and what the ambassador is doing, so that the ordinary everyday people can understand because we're speaking you know we're talking about their life as well. It's their yeah. livelihood. It's it's because of them that we we are doing this. So. Sure. How in, in your in your role, um, what are the things that you could advise as well, not just the ambassador, but to the government that mm. you know that can make it very very palatable or so much easier, so that the general public can understand and know that their human rights is just is mm. is, is worth hearing or it's worth attending to. Yeah, I think. Um... Yeah, that's a that's a very good question and a critical one because uh, mm, mm. I think when we talk about climate change, there's all those differential impacts. You know, never not everyone is impacted the same. And you know, like you mm. rightly mentioned, uh, uh, it's often the women and the the young uh, that will be more more impacted given the vulnerability status. And then uh, you know, we're talking about this from a, a inter intergenerational. Uh, equity point of view. Right. Um, I think how how we we can address this is in uh, is in two fronts. I think uh, uh, with the campaign currently going on at the mission diplomatic levels, but at mm -hmm. the national level, it's being it's it's also having to 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 make aware uh, to, to point to sectors uh, or make known to sectors, um, mm -hmm. you know, agricultural. Mm -hmm. uh, 
youth or Department of Women's Affairs infrastructure help all those mm -hmm. different sectors uh, sort of more aware of this is what this campaign is all about. Mm -hmm. We're talking about the present and future generations and we're talking about being the most vulnerable and within the within uh, our, our current society the most vulnerable is the, is the women and the young the children mm -hmm. so it's, it's ensuring that um, you know when you are doing your own uh, policy your planning your budgeting uh, it's ensuring those uh, critical uh, aspects uh, mm -hmm. are captured within your policy your budgeting. Mm. Uh, so this is more from a national agency's uh, point of view, especially with government, but it's mm. it's also having to uh, have that message across to say your, your non-government um, uh, uh, agencies as well, uh, mm. putting uh, more resources or putting more attention or raising, yeah. Yeah. Uh, elevating uh, the needs or the attention to, to address uh, uh women's um uh, uh impacts or the rights of uh the youth and, and children as far as climate change is uh, is is concerned so i think this is um you know from a um from a more agency side of things uh, mm. uh, but but definitely uh we we're seeing it as you know not just up to september but after that there's, mm. there's all those other work that Mm. government will need to do especially in uh, raising uh, <clears throat> uh raising its uh, the profile and yeah. the need to address uh, uh, uh impacts as far as uh, women and the, um, the young and the future generations uh, to come so mm. uh, it's being able to engage uh proactively you know with, with the public and, and, and people in all, all manners uh, and, and walks of life so mm -hmm. that uh, this this information is mainstreamed as much as possible that people mm -hmm. can can take decisions uh carry out whatever action that is required for them at the individual level or up to sort of a more agency or uh, community mm -hmm. uh, uh government or civil society uh, mm. level. So I think this is uh, being able to address this at, at all fronts, having but uh, having to ensure the key messages are being spread out as much as, as possible. I think that will be key so that mm. um, it becomes, you know, more and more uh, common language people are standing on. And then given the various kinds uh, of engagement that we will have, uh, have interactions with uh, different uh, uh, agents so which we can collectively address this this issue as well. this requires a whole lot of so to speak mm -hmm. okay so um i think before we finish um maybe you want to clarify and i know you mentioned one <clears throat> not in this interview but um it was the daily post uh, you had uh, mentioned about the fact that this is not about suing anybody uh, could you clarify yeah. for, for business and then you know, if we are going to seek the advisory opinion from the ICJ, um, and then and then what happens after that? Sure, mm -hmm. sure. Yes, yeah. I, I, as I stated, um, you know, I we, this is uh, this is so much about uh, reparation for damages, uh, mitigation, so to speak. We we understand, uh, especially with the systems interaction, interaction with as well as our own development aspirations um, 
we especially bring to the table and uh, so uh, you know it's still very much ambiguous like I've, I've mentioned loss and damage or um by which uh, there's there's uh, a position that comes out from the International Court of Justice so that you know lays uh, you know in, in, in more plain language of course there'll be uh, uh, there'll be concerns about uh, the impressions are for for the United states uh, once we have that, that would also help Vanuatu in a much more position in terms of how to have, uh, not only negotiate but help and collaborate and work together with states in terms of mm. uh, being uh, uh, deposited within the UNFCCC uh, as well as uh, <clears throat> enhanced uh, um, entities that are currently uh, being asked for. And I think uh, we just need to collectively put our heads together and see how we, we address this because this is uh, you know, a, a global call uh, to tackle. And um, this is uh, sort of what what is contribution to this whole uh, to this whole uh, um, uh, challenge in trying to to uh, combat and tackle one of uh, humanity's biggest uh, challenge in mm. having you know taking this legal this this legal route, but mm -hmm. uh, and then that should translate into a much more clear and refined and uh, concerted uh, action. Mm. You know, not only for vulnerable countries, but across uh, the world globally. Mm. Well, thank you. Thank you. I want to say <clears throat> thank you so much. And I like how you end there. Um, I like to think about it as giving us a, a measuring, <laughs> you know, a, a measuring bar so that we can, you know, keep within that 1.5 and not go sure. beyond that. And, you know, especially with the the situations politically and the environmental, you know, chaos that we're in right now. Um, and so having something like that, we'll have to be able to understand how far we can go and keep us keep us in, in, in check so that we sure. can all play our part uh, for, to ensure the human survival. Uh, and so Vanuatu is definitely uh, doing its part. And I, I want to thank you so much for all the hard work um, that you've been contributing uh, on your part and also your team. And I wish you, you and your team the very best. I did talk to Ambassador Otto uh, Tevi and uh, to the U United Nations. He is uh, learning a lot. Uh, and I, I think uh, just talking to you, I've been learning a lot. I feel like I'm speaking all kinds of different languages now that uh, being able to understand is more in depth. So uh, I would also be wonderful to see that uh, our people, um, you know, everyday people can understand and hopefully we can simplify it more in the clarity of different languages. Obviously, we're going to start with Vanuatu using the Bishlama so that they can understand what's going on. Uh, so hopefully that uh, this is a start of a discussion and we hope to have more conversations of about this as, as you, you know, the General Assembly, the 77th uh, General Assembly is coming up, which would be uh, exciting but also nerve-breaking to, to watch. So thank you so much for coming to the mat. And I really want to thank you for your time and appreciate all the advice and information that you gave us today. Thank you, uh, Dr. Mer. It's uh, very much indeed a pleasure and uh, rewarding to uh, be part of this uh, discussion. Thank you so much.
His Excellency Ambassador Odo Tebi is a highly qualified and experienced diplomat from the Republic of Vanuatu. He was appointed as the permanent representative of Vanuatu to the United Nations in 2014 and has since played an active role in various UN committees and negotiations, including climate change and sustainable development. Ambassador Dev Tevi holds a Bachelor of Economics degree in, with distinction from the University of Papua New Guinea and a Master's of Science degree in Economics from the University of, University of Sussex. He has previously worked for the government of Vanuatu and served as an international consultant for various organizations, including the World Bank and Asian Development Bank. In addition to his role as permanent representative of Vanuatu to the United Nations, Ambassador Tevi also holds the position of Vanuatu's special envoy for climate change. Um, how now and why did the Vanuatu government take on the leading role in this campaign to engage global leaders to join uh, the campaign for IC, ICJ? Firstly, it was the uh, USP uh, Law Students Initiative. Mm -hmm. uh, so after studying uh, international environmental law, they decided uh, to approach the Vanuatu government since the Vanuatu government is the host of the, the USP Law Campus. So they decided to uh, approach the government and uh, ask the government if they could take the issue of climate change to the International Court of Justice, because there's a gap uh, between climate change and international law. So first it was the initiative of the government. After some deliberation, the government decided uh, that it is appropriate, it was appropriate for them to take it to the ICJ, mm -hmm. uh, given that Vanuatu is the most vulnerable country in the world uh, in, in terms of uh, climate change. We face natural disasters like cyclone, hurricanes, uh, and also earthquakes, earthquakes which are not associated with climate change, but we we are the most vulnerable country in the world, according to the uh, UN's uh, uh, Climate Vulnerability Index. Mm -hmm. So those are some of the, the reasons, but also uh, the government uh, thought at that time uh, that uh, climate change is the single uh, biggest threat to the Pacific Islands. Uh, and that was highlighted in the South Pacific, uh, the forum leaders meeting communicate uh, about three or four years ago. Uh, so climate change remains uh, the biggest challenge in the Pacific, uh, but also for, for Vanuatu. And also it recognized that there is a gap between uh, climate change and international law. Mm. Okay. So in what ways has the Vanuatu government built a strong coalition with other fellow Pacific Island countries, um, especially the vulnerable nations and, and uh, also the, the ones around the globe? Well, uh, firstly, uh, any 
decision to take it to the international uh, court of just, justice mm -hmm. has to be taken to the uh, United Nations General Assembly. Mm -hmm. And so the General Assembly would require a resolution and a set of questions uh, that would be asked before uh, the International Court of Justice. So like you mentioned, uh, it needs uh, a right group of uh, coalition. So first, what we did was we approached uh, the Pacific Island countries because they recognize that climate change is the single biggest threat uh, to their sustainable development efforts. Now, secondly, uh, also we have uh, uh, discussed it with the, uh, the CARICOM, the Caribbean islands, mm -hmm. and the CARICOM heads of government had endorsed it in one of their meetings uh, early this year, I think February, around February, uh, they have endorsed the initiative. So, uh, so that's the coalition that we are, we're trying to, 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 uh, to get is the Pacific Islands and other small states like the Caribbean, mm -hmm. as well as uh, other uh, small states in the, around the world, like in Africa, in the Indian Ocean, uh, and also the African countries who are, who are also affected by, the, uh, by, the, by climate change. So recently, uh, the Africa and the Caribbean Pacific states, mm -hmm. uh, the Council of Ministers uh, endorsed uh, the initiative. So uh, our coalition uh, will be formed by the Pacific Island countries themselves, other mm -hmm. small states, including uh, the Caribbean and Indian and other most uh, vulnerable countries uh, in Africa and also in Asia. Uh, some Asian countries are also vulnerable, so they will be part of the coalition. But also, uh, we, we, we might have to extend it to the European countries mm. uh, also, because they are also uh, most advanced mm. in their domestic environmental laws. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, so that the coalition will be a cross-regional group, okay. uh, not only not only the Pacific, but also the Caribbean, Africa, Asia, and 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 uh, and e Europe. Hmm. So, as the permanent representative of uh, Vanuatu to the UN, what is your role in this? Uh, in this, as the well, my you see, the United Nations has hundred and ninety-three member countries. Okay. So, so my, I was appointed uh, not only as a permanent representative, but also as a special envoy. A special envoy. The, okay. Yeah, special envoy on climate change. So, mm. uh, my role is specifically uh, focused on on advocacy, uh, trying to establish a coalition, mm. a coalition of the willing, uh, those who uh, will be able to support this initiative. So, my role is to advocate. Mm -hmm. and try to uh, create this coalition mm -hmm. so that we can have the uh, necessary uh, numbers, uh, especially what we need is a majority of countries. So we need around 97, 97. but if some, if, if some countries abstain and then 76 or 77 would be fine. Mm -hmm. Because in the past advisory opinions, mm -hmm. I think one of the advisory opinions, there were only uh, 77 votes, most countries abstain, mm. 
-hmm. and some did not fought. So in the, it ended up with a simple majority of uh, 77. But my, my, main, my main role is to ensure that we have to go beyond that number. The, the majority should be around 97, but maybe if we can take 100, uh, 100 countries to support them. So the, the, my main role is to talk to the ambassadors of the UN, mm -hmm. but also uh, travel around the world and talk to the uh, government leaders as well. Uh, wherever there is an opportunity, I can also uh, speak to ministers like hey, now that I'm in Belgium, I was talking to the Minister of the Environment mm -hmm. of Belgium. Uh, so that's that's my, my main role is to uh, explain uh, the initiative to all the uh, uh, United Nations members, also advocate, uh, asking them to support it. And if countries who may not be able to support it, I would ask them to abstain mm -hmm. uh, or, or not for the all so mm -hmm. so that we can uh, arrive at the uh, the majority simple majority so so far how many how many have you has the majority have you have um, already got the majority coalition or are you almost there well i i, I think so far from uh, what I hear and from my own estimation is that uh, we are getting the numbers. I cannot mm -hmm. say whether it's, it's a majority mm -hmm. uh, because we're still at an early age. So right. the, next, the next six months will be crucial or rather five months five will be months. crucial. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because that's when uh, the resolution will be given to member states um, and then they will read the resolution. Mm -hmm. They will have their own comments. And uh, if they are satisfied with the resolution and the questions, then uh, and we can definitely know which countries will be supporting us. So far, uh, there are many countries which have indicated their support, mm -hmm. uh, but we haven't given them the questions yet. Right. Uh, the, legal, the legal questions that, that is supposed to go before the courts. So we, we only gave it, to, gave it to the, the Pacific group, mm -hmm. uh, the, the, the Pacific countries and also uh, a few countries that they are, we, we think they, are, they will support our resolution. Uh, so that's how, how we, we go. Mm -hmm. And we are hoping that the next five months, uh, it will be very crucial because the, the questions will now be given to, to all member states. So that's when after they review it, uh, they provide their comments and there will be a debate uh, as well. And uh, there will be a, a negotiations at the UN. So that's my role. Uh, one of my role is to ensure that uh, the questions are, are kept intact. Mm -hmm. They are not changed. Mm -hmm. uh, so you see, yeah, so, so, so basically uh, we will know the, the majority when the questions are given out, but the indications so far are, are positive. Mm -hmm. uh, from uh, from a broad range of countries, there, there is a lot of support, but uh, the real support will come. So, like for the ACP countries, the ministers who have uh, adopted it, it's seventy nine countries. So that's okay. beyond. Mm -hmm. uh, well, that's already a simple majority. Right. But again, uh, I am cautiously <clears throat> optimistic. Mm -hmm. uh, I am cautiously optimistic, and I believe we can only get the numbers if the questions are refilled, and then the negotiations can start at the United Nations. So do you have a team? How, how does the team 
how does the Vanuatu team, uh, Vanuatu government put a team together because you're the special ends, right? So you obviously have to have legal team, uh, climate advisors, and what else do you have? A set of people that are working with you? Yeah, uh, well, so far, mm -hmm. well, the, the initial uh, plan was to have a, a big team in New York, mm -hmm. uh, but at the moment we haven't really assembled a big team in New York, uh, given that, uh, 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 I mean, the borders in Vanuatu uh, were closed. I mean, now they are open. Uh, mm -hmm. Two, three days ago, they were open, so I'm hoping that there will be one or two uh, uh, persons from Vanuatu mm. uh, who will be in New York uh, assisting me. But uh, despite that, uh, I have my own legal team in New York okay. uh, who is supporting me as well as a supporting staff. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's only about uh, four of us, including my secretary, Evelyn, mm -hmm. who is uh, supporting with me with appointments and, and secretarial duties, as well as this... Uh, uh, two more staff. So I have my legal advisor who we attend meetings. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so I mean, I think the momentum is going very well despite mm -hmm. uh, the capacity challenges that we are facing at the, uh, at the at mission in, in New York. Mm -hmm. But we also have a big uh, project team in Vanuatu. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a, a project manager, uh, Christopher Bartlett, as well as uh, uh, the Climate Change Ministry and also the Ministry of uh, Foreign Affairs. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and, and the Prime Minister is the, our Prime Minister, Bob Lohman. Mm -hmm. uh, he's the person behind it and providing the leadership in terms of uh, the political leadership. So the Prime Minister is the one uh, at the forefront uh, providing leadership. Okay. So does the question specifically come from our team or do you have a legal team in that, not only from Vanuatu, but other Pacific Island countries as well? Yeah, we, we, we have uh, international environmental lawyers mm. in Netherlands as well as in UK. Okay. And, and these uh, in UK and America, these are top, top legal experts mm. in, climate, in climate change and, in, and, 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 and environmental law. So they are the ones who are providing me advice uh, because I'm not a lawyer. So they provide me uh, specific advice, especially uh, on international law and how climate change uh, can be able to be uh, discussed as an international law uh, agenda, well, as subject. Mm. So, uh, yeah, so I have uh, an international team as well as a, a national team. Oh, so you, 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 you've been well covered then? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I am, I am, I am well covered, but I think the, uh, yeah, I mean, the advice that they have been providing me is uh, top-notch. Mm. Uh, it's, uh, it's, I mean, these are top lawyers. They provide me the best. Uh, but again, I mean, uh, going to the United Nations with the resolution, I mean, I need the right language to speak to the leaders, yeah. uh, but also you need uh, diplomatic skills right. uh, uh, to approach uh, uh, different countries. Mm -hmm. And also the the type of narrative that you are using, mm -hmm. uh, you have to be you have to be concise, mm -hmm. uh, you have to be clear, uh, you have to be uh, also be respect respectful to other countries. Mm 
right. uh, uh, position. So how do you do that? Do you, do you have someone who worked you know, through all of this with you or do you have to study up on you know, all the different types of approaches that you have to and, and also the knowledge uh, when you're talking to each, each one of us? Well, I, 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 I have my own uh, legal advisor at the mission at the, at the UN. Mm -hmm. So he's the one uh, advising me on legal issues. But in terms of uh, the diplomatic uh, issues or mm -hmm. approaches, I think uh, that I know uh, okay. because that's my, my main uh, work. Mm -hmm. uh, but at least uh, he helped me with uh, uh, clarifying uh, certain areas in international law. Uh, and uh, the language that I will be using, the international mm. law language that I will be using uh, to discuss uh, climate change. So uh, my, my, my legal advisor, mm. uh, Kevin Chan, he's, he's mm. from Fiji. He, he's the one uh, uh, assisting me, providing me advice. But uh, some of the meetings I would go with him, mm. uh, but other meetings, uh, for example, maybe with some African states or with some ambassadors, mm. I, I would be there alone uh, talking to the, uh, to the ambassadors and try to mm. uh, solicit, their, solicit their support. Mm. So do you, do you feel like this is an additional role in what you're already doing that has kind of expanded your capacity and your, you know, your knowledge and now going into climate change that is, you know, you are more active in it now? Is that given you a different perspective of your role as the permanent uh, representative of Vanuatu representative in the UN? Yeah, it has. I mean, at the, at the mission, we are, I think, one of the smallest mission in the world mm. uh, uh, at, at the UN. Mm. So be, before that, it was only me and Evelyn. So I'm mm. the I'm the ambassador as well as the first secretary, second secretary, <laughs> third secretary. Yeah. Well, Evelyn is the is, is the second uh, second secretary, but I uh -huh. uh, I'm doing the technical work as well uh -huh. as as a diplomatic work as well. So, uh, so it's quite challenging uh, mm -hmm. because uh, if you if you have ambition, you have to match it with uh, capacity. Right. Uh, I think there is a gap there. Uh, but fortunately, uh, the government uh, provide enough resources for mm. for this uh, uh, ICJ uh, advisory opinion uh, uh, initiative. So now I have my lawyers, uh, I have my own budget. Mm. Uh, there is political leadership uh, from Vanuatu. Mm. Uh, so it is really going well. So yeah, it 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 has expanded my my capacity in terms of uh, looking. Uh, well, looking at climate change from uh, an international law perspective. Mm, mm. Uh, yeah, so I think it has expanded my horizon, my, my capacity, mm. uh, as well as getting to know uh, also what other countries are thinking mm. Mm. Uh, in terms of uh, the advisory uh, opinion yeah. and getting to meet, meet other countries. So I think that's, uh, that's very important, but it has given me, me more work. So. Uh, I, you know, my role at the UN now is about 99% is devoted to this uh, uh, International Court of Justice and only 1% is de devoted to my other UN role, which I've been doing it before. Mm -hmm. uh, because what I need is uh, 
uh, more stuff from from uh, from Vanuatu, mm -hmm. and I, I I believe I will have stuff this month or early early uh, next month. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think Malcolm yeah. Delessa is going to be there very soon, Mr. Malcolm Delessa. So that would be that would be helpful. So in the court, well, I think you, you talked a little bit about this, but maybe uh, expand a, a little bit on it. In order to have the International Court of Justice advisory opinion, how many votes does it need for a majority from the members of the Union, United uh, UN General Assembly? And I think you've just kind of expand yeah. on that. <clears throat> yeah, I think uh, there's one thing that uh, I need to make it clear is it's it's the number of countries who are present and voting. Okay. So if you are absent or abstain, your vote is not counted. Oh. Yeah. So mm. the, 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 the majority means those who are present and voting at the General Assembly. Yeah. So, so but if all countries are, are present and voting, so that's 193 countries, mm. and therefore you would require 97 votes. Okay. But for sure, some countries will be abstaining, so their votes will not be counted, mm -hmm. uh, and and hopefully we can uh, reach ninety seven or just less than that, or more than ninety seven. If we we uh, if we are able to, then mm -hmm. uh, we should get a majority. Yeah. So uh, if those if one hundred and ninety three countries are all presented for the vote, then we need one ninety seven. But if some mm -hmm. are abstaining, and some might not want to vote at all, and then 80, 70, uh, that, that, that number would be, would constitute a, a simple majority. Mm -hmm. So just to clarify to the people listening, what is uh, ICG? Because um, sometimes we use that abbreviation without, you know. Well, well the ICG is the, uh, the International Court of Justice. So that's the World Court. Uh, you can revert it as a world court. So mm -hmm. uh, in Vanuatu, we have a Supreme Court mm -hmm. and the highest court is the Appeal Court. So the International Court of Justice is the world court. And it's one of the uh, main uh, arm or organs of the United Nations. So we have the UN General Assembly is one of the arms, mm -hmm. uh, UN Security Council, and then you have the ECOSOC, the Trusteeship Council, but also you have the International Court of Justice. Uh, so the International Court of Justice is, uh, is, a, is an organ of the United Nations. So that's the world court. Mm. Uh, yeah, the, the biggest court in the world, uh, okay. the International Court of Justice. So when we, when we talk about the opinion, why do we have to ask them to, to, for that? For the- well, um, well, according to the, uh, United Nations uh, rules and mm -hmm. charter uh, uh, to there's only specialized agencies at the UN that can that can ask uh, for an advisory opinion from the International Court of Justice. So uh, I think one of the agency is the General Assembly. So it has the mandate to take it. So uh, if the if I mean Vanuatu is leading. Uh, this campaign, and if the resolution is passed, mm -hmm. then it is the Secretary General of the United Nations mm -hmm. who will then write to the International Court of Justice to say, to, to, to tell the International Court of Justice that the General Assembly 
requested that you mm. look at these questions. Okay. So it's not Vanuatu requesting it. It is now the General Assembly requesting it. So it's the representative body of the world who are asking uh, the International Court of Justice to examine the questions which mm. Vanuatu has put forward in the form of the resolution. Okay. Well, thank you for explaining about that. So in your opinion, what is the strength of the driving force behind the ICG, uh, ICJ campaign that is going on right now? In your opinion, what is the strength of the force behind this? Who are the ones that are driving the force or campaign? Well, I think uh, it's a number <laughs> of countries. I think the main driver is the youth, uh, the, the Pacific youth. Uh, mm -hmm. Uh, the Pacific youth, I think the youth are the, are the drivers. Mm -hmm. And now it, it becomes a, a, a global youth movement. Mm -hmm. So so they're the main drivers, but they are also uh, our, our motivation. Eh? So when we look at the youth, we think about the future. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, we, we ask the question, do we have to, I mean, the challenges with climate change, do we have to pass it to the future generations, the children that are not yet born, uh, to address climate change, mm -hmm. or it is uh, incumbent incumbent upon us to address the issue of climate change. So I believe that if we give it to them, it will be too late. Uh, uh, yeah. So I think it's it, so that's one of the motivation. The other the other motivation is that uh, the the Pacific states as small states they have a moral voice. Mm -hmm. I mean we 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 have. I mean some countries are faced with the uh, a sea level rise, right. uh, and and in the future, if uh, if we we are not careful, uh, some of these countries may no longer exist. So that's mm. one of the motivation that mm. we have to ensure that uh, the the rights of of, of our people uh, uh, remain and are recognized. Mm. Uh, not only that, a country like Vanuatu, uh, we all we always have well when we now have frequent uh, natu extreme natural disasters. Mm -hmm. uh, and some of these natural disasters are severe. Like, for example, within five years, we had uh, Cyclone Pam and Cyclone Haro. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and these are category five uh, uh, cyclones. So our economies are like a glass. You drop it, they break, and then we put them back together. So with these extreme weather events, our economies are becoming unsustainable. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's also a huge motivation behind it. That okay, we are we are vulnerable, but we also have a moral force. But not only that, uh, like I've said uh, about the youth, yeah. uh, I mean the, the questions uh, going uh, to the general assembly are also about present and future generations. So uh, the motivation also is we are representing <coughs> the youth of the world, the young people around the world. We are mm -hmm. taking it because of them, uh, but also because of our own vulnerabilities as, as small states, yeah. uh, including the Pacific Island and Vanuatu. Uh, but we are also representing the most vulnerable people in the world mm -hmm. who are affected by climate change. Mm -hmm. I think these are some of the motivations behind uh, this resolution. Which are all, um, in a way, they're all part of the human rights. Um, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the, the, the questions will be looking uh, from a human rights angle, okay. uh, yeah, yeah. How to uh, we we asking the court to to clarify uh, the the responsibilities of states regarding climate change mm -hmm. and the response uh, their responsibilities towards uh, climate vulnerable countries, mm -hmm. uh, but but also 
their responsibilities towards present and future generations. So these are uh, human rights, uh, right. uh, uh, human rights issues. So we are looking uh, it, looking at it from a human rights issue, mm -hmm. but also from a from a, a climate climate justice yes, yes. Uh, uh, viewpoint. Mm -hmm. uh, so, if, example, we have we have the right to development, we have the right to water, uh, we have the right to uh, education, uh, mm -hmm. good living standards. So, climate change affects all of these things. Right. Uh, yeah. So, in terms of climate justice. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so uh, we we we, uh, uh, we we need to ensure that the, uh, the human our human rights mm -hmm. uh, that are enshrined by the by the UN conventions uh, remain intact. That's right, right. So I, I noticed that the uh, uh, Prime Minister Bob Lovman uh, there was a news article and the heading he stated was if we are to have a future climate change needs a legal footing. And I think that that came out in Al Jazeera uh, news and the ICJ should need, uh, sh should issue a legal opinion on the rights of present and future generation, like you just mentioned, to inhabit a world that is not raged by climate change effects. So I think that the message is pretty much clear of what are the driving forces behind this. Um, I guess one of the questions that I have is <clears throat> what have you seen over the years uh, that we've seen over the years? We are not on track to meet the particular goal of uh, limiting global, global warming to well below uh, two perfectly uh, below two or uh, preferably to 1.5 degrees uh, Celsius that's required in the Paris Agreement on Climate Change. So uh, Ambassador, why do you think that this is the case and how do you see this approach uh, different this time, and what do you think? Do you think it was going to have a positive impact if this goes through? Okay. Well, before I I I, uh, I, I give you uh, my response, uh, what I would like to do is to to give you a context okay. or a background. Mm -hmm. So, uh, the last uh, COP on climate change, uh, COP twenty six, was held in Glasgow. And then uh, uh, early, early this year, we had the, uh, the scientific report. It's called the IPCC report. Mm. Uh, the IPCC report uh, states uh, that you know, we are not uh, even uh, achieving uh, the target of 1.5 degrees. So uh, that means... Uh, a huge challenge for uh, vulnerable countries and like for not one other Pacific Island countries uh, or, or bigger countries like Bangladesh. So, so what, what it, it tells us that, well, the IPCC report is telling us that, look, uh, we have been having 26 meetings now and sooner in Egypt, there will be a 27th meeting on climate change, uh, but we are not achieving our targets. And, we are moving. We are moving into a tipping point. Uh, so, uh, so, so, what? There is a huge gap between rhetoric and action. Uh, so, we need more action to close that gap. And currently, it's uh, it's still a long way. There have been a lot of uh, talks, uh, but again, for a lot of countries to achieve the 1.5 degrees or their um, uh, their adaptation or mitigation targets, what they need is finance, especially 
for developing countries. So that, that is also not forthcoming. Mm. So that's one of the biggest challenges. But for the rich countries, if you, if you look at it, there's still a long way towards uh, transitioning uh, uh, from fossil fuel into renewable energy. But the current uh, Ukraine and Russia crisis uh, has made the situation even worse now because we are uh, faced with an energy crisis. Mm. And so there will be new investments in new, uh, uh, new coal industries. There will be new investment in gas and oil uh, because we because of the energy security that we are facing at the moment. So in the, in the short term, uh, we are not going to address those goals uh, because of the Russian-Ukraine crisis. But before that, we have not even reached it. Uh, though there was a, a lot of discussion uh, uh, regarding the transition, but we haven't really uh, uh, reached that goal yet. So I think achieving the 1.5 degrees will be, uh, will be uh, quite a challenge for now. Now, what this uh, uh, advisory opinion will provide is that uh, it, will, it will help the countries uh, around the world uh, to improve the climate action, improve the climate ambition. So I think that that's one thing that we, we wanted it to do, but also uh, because it is an advisory opinion, it might have uh, that the regional courts as well as the national courts uh, in the world, the, the domestic uh, courts or the national courts, they will use this advisory opinion uh, in their own judgments regarding environmental climate issues in their own jurisdictions or in 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 in, the, in regional courts so they will they will they will use this judgment so i think it's it's very uh, very important it's a, it's a precedent that they will be used so by using it it will improve uh, climate action uh, and 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 uh, climate ambition so if we take it to the general assembly and it is passed by simple majority and if the opinion uh, is favorable to climate vulnerable countries, then we can take it back to the General Assembly. Uh, that's that opinion from the court uh, and, uh, uh, and package it into another resolution. Mm. And then the General Assembly can adopt it. So as soon as the General Assembly adopts it, then uh, uh, it, it becomes an instrument that we we can remind states that, okay, look, uh, this is our responsibility and this is what we have to do and we have to increase our, our climate uh, ambition and action. But not only that, uh, negotiators and, uh, at the, uh, at the climate, change, uh, climate change negotiators at COP, they can also use this judgment right. uh, in, in, in their negotiation. Okay, wow. Well, it sounds like it has different variables to it, um, how it can be used if this goes through. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, uh, the, the advice, International Court of uh, Justice advisory opinion are not uh, legally binding, okay. uh, but, but they have uh, tentacles elsewhere. Mm -hmm. uh, so they can be used elsewhere and they can still be, they can still be effective. Mm. Uh, for example, in, in, in domestic and regional courts, mm. uh, but also like the Prime Minister has, has said, it has legal footing now and you, you, okay. you can use that. Okay. Yeah. 
So um, one thing that I guess uh, maybe coming from you will will be resounding in a way. Um, this is this is first of its kind in terms of climate change. Uh, it is first of its kind, but it is not uh, the first country who started it. Okay. The first country who who decided to take the resolution was Palau oh. in 2010 or 2011. Okay. I, I was not at the UN yet. Mm -hmm. uh, and then um, uh, the capital or the, the, the Palau's capital decided uh, not, not to uh, take it forward. It gathered a lot of momentum at the UN, mm -hmm. uh, but because of their own uh, challenges, they decided not to take it forward. And, and it is the first country in the world, well, the second country in the world is Vanuatu, who is uh, taking up uh, uh, the similar issue, but a different legal question. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, uh, 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 but it's, the, it's now taking it beyond uh, what Palau, because what Palau did was, uh, they discussed the, the, the question, uh, not at the General Assembly, but oh. it never took it to the General Assembly. Okay. So for, for this, uh, for our, for Vanuatu's resolution, we will take it to the General Assembly mm -hmm. eventually. Uh, and, uh, and hopefully uh, it will pass and then the court can uh, provide their, their opinion. Mm. So in your opinion, do you think that this is unique in terms of, uh, having an uh, International Court of Justice of, uh, advisory opinion, how that it started by young people. Is that, you know, because you, you talked about Palau, did that started by the government or did it started by the, the people the, in the community? Or because the, the one that Vanuatu is taking up, it's obviously the, the momentum or how the idea came about was from the PISS, uh, sorry, PISFCC. Pacific Island students fighting climate change. Um, do you think that that's again it's a unique in its in, in itself because now you 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 include the youth in that campaign? Yeah, think, for, yeah for for Palau, I think it was. Uh, I don't really know the background, uh, mm -hmm. but, but I mean, but for us it was it, it is the for Vanuatu's uh, ICJO initiative. It is driven by the Pacific youth. Mm -hmm. So I think uh, for us, the youth, so I think that's one of the difference. Uh, mm -hmm. And for Palau, it was uh, driven by, uh, by, by uh, the diplomats at, the, mm -hmm. uh, at, at their mission uh, in, New, uh, uh, in New York, mm -hmm. uh, as, well as, as, as well as their government. Okay. Uh, like I've said, it, it gathered momentum. But uh, what is unique now is that, uh, one, is that uh, it is uh, led by the youth. Mm -hmm. uh, that's one. And secondly, uh, when Palau uh, uh, took the initiative, there was no Paris Agreement. Right. Uh, uh, yeah, so now we have Paris Agreement uh, that are in place. Mm -hmm. And we can now uh, pinpoint countries that look, uh, this is what we have agreed to, mm -hmm. and we need to ramp up our ambition. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So that's very unique. So how does the PISFCC, the Pacific Island uh, Students Fighting Climate Change, how do they engage with the global leaders uh, like that of the Pacific Island Forum and then with, with you? You know, how, how, do, how does that, from your experience working with them and the Pacific Island, other Pacific Island countries? 
Well, what, what we do is at the matchings of international conferences, mm -hmm. uh, I would meet the global youth okay. and we would be uh, talking about the ICJ opinion and I would be uh, encouraging them mm -hmm. uh, to continue with their advocacy. Okay. I don't really, I don't really want to be with them in their uh, meetings because they represent the youth, mm -hmm. uh, and I, I represent a government. So I, uh, there's there's a difference in there. Yeah. So if the youth uh, are talking about the issues, uh, I think it's it's very important that we leave them alone, mm -hmm. and and they can discuss it with the heads of government. Mm -hmm. But I do provide them counsel, and I I, I also uh, support them uh, in in their uh, in their work, okay. uh, so they 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 are doing a fantastic job. Mm -hmm. But I, I I forget to to mention that this is a uh, if the uh, the advisory opinion is positive. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, if the the, the courts uh, give a positive uh, advisory opinion, then it will be a a global public good uh, yeah. that we, that we can use it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I think, um, do you know if there's a significant, there's any significant benefits of, uh, of being an ICU, ICJ advisory opinion? What are the five significant benefits of that? I think there, there's like five of them. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the, the benefits of that is that, well, first it will clarify state responsibilities toward climate change. And then it will increase our climate action and climate ambition, mm -hmm. uh, but also it will address issues of, of human rights. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so so those are some of the some of the uh, the benefits. But also uh, it will uh, answer uh, our, our responsibilities to the present and future generations, mm -hmm. uh, the, the children who are still unborn. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so. I think that would be uh, some of those benefits, but not only that, it can be used by regional and, and domestic courts mm. uh, and, and climate negotiators can use it uh, in their negotiating, in their uh, climate negotiations at COP, okay. at, uh, at a COP, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, you can, you can look at uh, uh, the benefits from, from different angles. Mm -hmm. So what other issues that have been taken to the advisory for the advisory uh, opinion that has, has been, what are the other issues apart from the nuclear test uh, that you guys are learning, you know, the experiences of, in Palau, obviously. Uh, so that well, well, there, 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 there are the advisory opinions. I mean, you mentioned the nuclear, uh, nuclear weapon. There was one on the wall, that's mm. the, in Israel. Uh, the wall, mm -hmm. and then uh, there was one on Chacos Islands. So mm -hmm. it was uh, Mauritius okay. who who declared, well, who who argued that the Chacos Islands uh, belonged to them, mm -hmm. uh, but but UK uh, also argued that uh, it's there. So they took it to the International Court of Justice. Mm -hmm. So uh, Vanuatu was one of the the countries mm -hmm. who who supported. Uh, uh, Mauritius mm. uh, at the International Court of Justice. So uh, we we also uh, supported them in their uh, in, in 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 their proceedings at the International Court of Justice. So we were mm. with the African Union uh, mm. supporting uh, uh, Mauritius. So we uh, uh, Vanuatu is known uh, 
uh, internationally for that. Okay. So I think one of the things before we end our conversation is uh, to clarify that this is not to take to take you know a country's to court because as you were working with you know trying to get them on on board, we, you don't want to paint this picture of because they they also have to have diplomatic relations and you had mentioned that before. So how do you present that to them? How do you present that to? Well, well, well it, it, it's not about taking one or two countries to court. Right. Well, basically, it is it is about seeking an advisory opinion. It's the opinion from the court. It's not okay. suing the countries, but it is the opinion from the court. So that's a major distinction. Okay. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. But it, it talks about our responsibilities to vulnerable countries and to, to the youth mm -hmm. uh, and, and to the future generation. So that's basically what we are trying to do. Uh, to the country. So even if you're a big emitter of greenhouse gas, mm -hmm. uh, you also have the responsibility to uh, to your future generations or the, your youth. Uh, even you are a most vulnerable country uh, in the world, uh, mm -hmm. but you are, your economy is hi highly dependent on carbon, mm -hmm. you are also uh, responsible to your youth and future generations. So it's not only about the rich versus the developing countries. It's all. Mm -hmm. It's about humanity. Okay. I think climate climate change poses uh, uh, one of the biggest threat mm -hmm. to the human species. Right, right. So it's almost like putting a framework on how you work, so that you yeah, and and, and 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 also it will uh, strengthen uh, uh, multilateralism and strengthen uh -huh. the work of the UN in okay. terms of climate change. It's not only about. It's not about suing a country, mm -hmm. uh, but it is about uh, strengthening uh, our work on, on climate change okay. and, and, and understanding it better from an international, from, uh, international law perspective. Mm. Well, thank you for clarifying that, because I know that a lot of people will want to know <laughs> whether we're, we're suing the countries or we, we're, we're getting an opinion, advisory opinion from the international court. So uh, I guess our last question would be, if this advisory opinion goes through and the ICJ or International Court of Justice comes through with a FedEx, what would be the next step for both on perhaps the law opinion and the public opinion? So can you? Okay, so if the advisory opinion goes through, uh, then the AC, uh, ICJ uh, comes up with you yeah. know, a resolution, what would be the next step for the law opinion and the public opinion? Because I think the public, for instance, if say that the law opinion has not really met what we, we're hoping to achieve, you still have the public to back up because the back you know, the public always is the one that voices their opinion about just like what the youth have been doing. So what would be the next step for, I guess, let's let's focus first on the public opinion. What do you think would that be? If, well, I, 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 mean, I mean, I, uh, from my own perspective, I, I, I like to think uh, optimistically that, mm -hmm. that uh, if the court gives a, a favorable advisory opinion to our questions, okay. uh, then, like I've said, we will take it to the uh, General Assembly, mm -hmm. again, in, in a form of a resolution. Mm -hmm. And then uh, from there, uh, it will now uh, tell, tell states that, look, we, we have a responsibility. It is not binding, uh, but we have a responsibility. So 
So the governments, the negotiators can use it in climate change, but not only that, the civil society can also use it. Uh, the youth can also use the advisory opinion. So they can also use their, uh, use it and discuss it with their own governments. Uh, so I think that's, that's very important. So, but also it will strengthen their movement. Uh, yeah, because now they, they have a, the, the international law has given the opinion, there's a legal footing Mm -hmm. that they can stand on mm -hmm. and they can tell governments that look uh, we have to do more in terms of climate change okay. uh, yeah mm -hmm. yeah so yeah so, do, so you, do, do you think that this is going to help Vanuatu in how we structure our, maybe our infrastructures and maybe you know in terms of like you said I think about the future generations and what the, you know uh, anything that we will try to put forward do you think that this will yeah help? I mean we yeah, I mean, we, we, we are hopeful that it will uh, increase uh, climate uh, ambition, climate action. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and therefore, what it means is that uh, country, vulnerable countries like Vanuatu could gain more in terms of uh, um, uh, uh, their assistance, in terms of adaptation, mm -hmm. uh, uh, meeting their adaptation and mitigation targets. I think okay. uh, that, that would also be, uh, be welcome. Mm. Or, 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 or hopefully it would be one of the uh, one of the outcomes. So that would come as part of the increasing your climate action or ambition. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much, uh, Ambassador, for taking the time to talk to me today. And I hope that people who are listening will have a clear uh, understanding of your role in this matter, which is very important. And it's obviously a very heavy one. And uh, we wish you the very best in, in your role. And we do hope and we look forward for is it September or November for the, for the uh, anniversary. Yeah. Uh, well, well, in terms of taking it to the General Assembly, uh -huh. we are hope, hoping at December or early January next okay. year, okay. because it will depend on the timetable of the, of the General Assembly uh, mm. itself. Okay. Yeah, so we, we, we are bound uh, uh, to their, to their uh, schedule. Mm. Uh, yeah, so I think the best time would be around December or January, but, uh, uh, but let, let's say uh, so the 77th session of the General Assembly. Mm. That's okay. when the resolution will be discussed at the General Assembly. Okay, well, thank you so much for your time. It's been a wonderful- yeah. You're welcome. As we come to the end of the Coming to the Mud podcast series, I am filled with gratitude for the incredible work of the Pacific Island Students Fighting Climate Change, PISFCC, their courage and determination in advocating for climate justice and fighting for a sustainable future for all has truly inspired us all. Through their journey, we have seen the power of youth-led movements in the fight against climate change. We have been reminded of the urgent need to address this global crisis and to protect the right, rights of our current and future generations. As, the Vanuatu, as Vanuatu and the core 18 member states seek an, advisory, seek an advisory opinion from the International Court of Justice, we hold hope that this could be the win of the century. 
We wish them every success and pray that this momentous decision will lead to a new international law integrating legal obligations around environmental treaties and basic human rights. We want to thank and congratulate the PISFCC for their bravery, passion, and unwavering commitment to take on the world's biggest problem all the way to the world's highest court. We want to thank them for believing in the fundamental human rights of every individual, in the dignity and worth of the human person, in the equal rights of all women and all men and all nations, large and small. Additionally, for sharing their vision with us and the world. And I quote, we are Pacific Island students whose vision is to live with dignity and without fear of climate change, denying us and our children of that freedom, end of code. We stand with them and all those working towards a better future for ourselves and for the generations to come. Let us all take the stand and be advocates for climate change and work together towards a more sustainable future for all. podcast is created and produced by Melanesian Women Today, a non-profit organization. Please visit our website at www.melanesianwomentoday.org. That is all one word. Melanesian Women Today envisions a Pacific region where every woman, girl, and child in their respective communities in Melanesia lives a productive, healthy, and fulfilling life. We are on a mission to improve the well-being and quality of lives and also to promote and improve leadership in women and girls in their communities. Please consider making a donation today on our website to support our work. Thank you for your support.